today we're celebrating All Saints Day. So uh, I don't know about you and where you have been before you ended up here, but as a Baptist growing up, we didn't talk a whole lot about saints. I always pictured uh, some folks dressed in white and in heaven smiling and waving and swaying and uh, so boring people. Uh, but whenever I think of people who have made a difference in my life, people who have spoken words of, uh, that have woken me up or have embraced me and invited me into community that has healed me and formed me, those people look a little different. I think of Peggy. Uh, she encouraged me in my music and interrogated me about my Hebrew studies outside of our warehouse church while her cigarette was dangling off her bright pink lipstick the whole time. Um, I think about Dale, who took weeks of vacation off so that he could come with our youth group and uh, stay up late with us and talk with us and have epic Nerf gun battles at night. Or Lisa, who dreamed God's dreams and started a church and invited us to join in and then shepherded us along with loving counsel, a beautiful heart, and sun-drop pound cake. I think real saints are much more colorful and much less boring than the picture that I grew up with. They're much more like you and me. So in our service today, we're going to take time to remember the saints who've gone before us and who sit beside us even now. And you'll have time in the service a little later on to even come up and light a candle at one of the stations on either side in the front. If you'd like to do that as part of your remembrance this morning. Um, and also, in lieu of a sermon this morning, some of our writers from our writers' workshop are going to share some stories uh, of their saints. You can even find uh, a poem this morning in your uh, order of worship from Kara Kilpatrick, one of the writers in our writers' uh, workshop as well, who wasn't able to be here today. Uh, and let that be part of your worship this morning as we remember those folks that we have rubbed elbows with and have been the better for it. So. This morning, uh, may we see together the beautiful mystery of the beloved community that God is inviting us all to this morning. Let's worship together.
Please stand if you're able and join me in the call to worship. God, you paint the morning skies. Clouds transfigure in their rambling flight. The sun unfolds a yellow hand. May we also have eyes to see. May we also have ears to hear.
please join me in prayer? Lord, thank you for this beautiful day and the opportunity to gather for worship and fellowship. Some of us may come in search of comfort and loss, some with anxiousness and matters that cause us to worry. We pray for strength and clarity that our faith in you will provide, not necessarily on our timeline, but in yours, which is all-knowing. Help us to live in harmony and provide support to each other, and take time to remember the positives in our lives. Thank you for your guiding hand and your love of all of us, warts and all, in your name. Amen. Now please pass the peace to those around you. We now spend a few moments for a time of remembering, recognizing that when we remember those that we have lost from this life into the promise of the next, it is not merely a time for nostalgia, not merely a time that we pine away for younger years, and certainly not just a time that is locked away into the past. Yes, how much we would love to have another opportunity with those that we have lost in this life to just sit one more time with one more conversation. And the memories that we have are precious and deep and treasured, but need not be locked into the past. Last night, Donna and, my, and I, my wife and I, went to see the great movie on the life of Harriet Tugman simply entitled Harriet, a more recent Moses leading people caught in slavery and oppression to their own freedom and liberation. This woman who was brought to this country in heritage as a slave, raised in a family that kept her down and sold her out to beat her as a child because she didn't keep the baby from crying all night long, who never learned to read or write, who was always seen as insignificant. At the age of 12, she was hit by a weight meant for someone else. It caused her to have lifelong seizures as it hit her in her head and split her skull. But out of that time, she also had these ecstatic revelations from God. And this combination of courage and compassion and strength and faith became a modern-day American hero. We think of her life 
not merely because it's a memorable life to celebrate from our country's past. We think of her life because it helps us have courage for the living of our lives. Our ability to be inspired and to remember, regardless of the limitation from which we have come, through faith and courage and compassion, we can be something different. This morning, we are remembering, too, from our fellowship that we have lost in this life and to the promise of the new life that God provides. We remember their life, not simply to be locked into the past, but for the way that it might inspire us in the present and in the future. And so today, on this All Saints Day, I light two candles for two newly endorsed saints of our congregation. First for Alan Wallace, brother to Jamie, and next for Nora Bruce, mother to Marianne. Both Alan and Nora had hearts full of love for their friends, their family, and this church. They had hearts full of love for the God who had given them life and for the way in which they shared their gift of life with one another. We remember them, not only giving God thanks for their life and for the way in which they shined their light to us, but also to think about the precious gift of our life and how every single second, once gone, is gone forever. And we pledge ourselves to give our lives as fully and as lovingly and as courageously as possible because we are inspired by so great a cloud of witnesses. Our Christian witness today is from Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised, promised Holy Spirit. <clears throat> this is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. 
God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all for the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God. Isn't that a cool hymn? Never heard that till right then. Let's pray, shall we? Dear God, this morning I'm reflecting on the saints who have gone on in my life, but I'm also reflecting on the saints who are right here, right now. I thank you for them. I thank you for the strength, the example, the perseverance, the faith, and those that are gone and those that are here were and are not perfect but you have used them and are using them. And for them this morning, I say thank you for the gift of all these saints as we also strive to become more saintly ourselves. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Please be seated.
As Raleigh so eloquently prayed, the power of the gospel is right here with us this morning. The presence of Christ is as close as your own breath. The power of God is here, sitting with us in these pews. In recognition of the incarnate one that has come to live among us, I invite you to stand and hear his words from the gospel of Luke as you are able. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what they did to their ancestors and did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. 
Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
needs an amen and a wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to do a short little intro. I'm not Gerard, uh, but Gerard will be making his way up here along with our other storytellers and song singers. Uh, this morning. There's some spots up for you here this morning uh, because uh, in lieu of a sermon, we're going to hear some stories of the saints that have uh, been in our lives. And I think, I don't know why I feel the need to continually do this, but we need to disabuse ourselves of the narrow and obviously fantastical definition of saint, whether they're canonized or otherwise, because even if we read scriptures, uh, saints are not painted in the simple, clean-lined iconography that we know so well. Abraham lies. Sarah doesn't trust God to bring her a child in her old age. Moses leads people to a promised land, but only after murder, questioning, disbelief, and years of wandering. Rahab assists in clandestine activities, holy and otherwise. King David has a complicated legacy, to say the least, with intrigue and infidelity. And yet, we still sing his psalms today. Martha's too busy. Peter's a rock who sinks like a stone. And more recently, Thomas Merton has no idea where he's going. Mother Teresa gives and gives to the very least of these and still feels a darkness. Because in real life, there are no flat characters. There are no one-sided persons. Sainthood is not static. Maybe instead... It's an invitation. So I wonder this morning who you might add to this list. Who are the people who have held your hand and taken the late night call? Who sent the note, gave the hug, sat in silence with you? This morning, we'll hear from some writers in our writers workshop. Uh, Gerard Howe, Pastor Emeritus here at Central, will share, followed by a song from Jane Tatum, then Jan Fisher, who sings in our Choir and who also served for many years as a nurse in a neonatal intensive care will also share this morning. We're grateful for their willingness to share their stories with you and for the stories that may come forth in you as we listen and remember and celebrate the good light. On the first day of fall, one year, I think it was 1994, Jane fell and dis, uh, dislocated several muscles in her shoulder. I was in Russia at the time. On the, the day of Valentine's, uh, Jane was in the hospital with a heart attack. I was in England at the time. <laughs> I promised Jane that I will never be gone on Christmas to her benefit and to mine, as you might well imagine. But it's the heart, the Valentine one, that I would like to just choose. I'm gonna read it to stay within my time limit. At 2.14 in the morning, the phone rings in the apartment in Oxford, England. Dad, mom had a heart attack. She's at the UK hospital emergency room. I have the flu. I'm trying to isolate myself from Rob and Easton. Who do I call? Ansley was our oldest daughter who lived in Fort Thomas, Northern Kentucky. She was pregnant and Rob is caring for the three-year-old Easton. 
Jane is in Lexington, Kentucky. I am on sabbatical in England. Anita, our youngest, uh, lives in Birmingham, Alabama, seven miles away, and has a small child. I have no siblings nearby. Our parents are deceased. I'm part of this wonderful mobile culture in which I've chosen to participate. And after sharing names, we become aware that neither of us can, in our mindset, handle the details of Lexington long distance. And Ansley was briefly a member of the church during her dental internship. So I say, call Graham Hatcher, chairman of the deacons. We've been talking about this kind of thing this year. And in a daze, I rearranged my flight, return ticket, pack a month's worth of sabbatical clothing, leave some clothing for a student my size, lay out the materials I checked from the library with notes, awaken the president of Regents Park College to explain my sudden absence and um, my sudden absence and uh, to return the type copy of his next book. Remember kindly the understanding hug given by his wife who answered the knock. Filling time and wanting to be near humans, I informed the kitchen help to cancel reservations for breakfast that morning. Stopped by the chapel to leave a prayer request with the students I had shared daily worship with for two weeks. Pulled my luggage to the bus stop blocks away to catch a bus at eight o'clock for a trip to Heathrow, London, for a 10 o'clock flight home. In Atlanta, 22 hours later, I called the hospital just before I boarded the flight for a short two-hour trip home. The woman in information asked, do you want to speak to the desk at CCU or someone in the family room? The family room, I say. And to this day, that answer befuddles me. And I hear the voice of the receptionist, anyone here for the Jane Howell family? Graham Hatcher answers. He says she's progressing well. There have been no surprises and the angioplasty procedure is successful. In fact, there are four men present, who were or had been in the waiting room, Grant Atcher, Kit Montgomery, two staff members, David Adams and Raleigh Kincaid. I won't try to figure out why they were all men, but um, go home, I say. I'm preparing to board the plane. And when I hang up, I wonder, why did I answer family waiting room when I had no family there. Jane and I, nomads, now living in Lexington, however can say to ourselves, yeah, we got family.
Sorry, I've already done this 10 times. It was Sunday morning in our town And I sat on my steps and I stared at the ground And I bowed my head while they shuffled past All the saints being called to the morning mass And off in the distance there rang a bell Way off in the distance there rang a bell And it rang for the saints and the sinners as well And off in the distance there rang a bell I remember the lessons of Sunday school And I can't help but think maybe I'm a fool But I see no sign of a greater plan than the joys and the sorrows of my fellow man and off in the distance there rang a bell way off in the distance there rang a bell and it rang for the saints and the sinners as well way off in the distance there rang a bell And here we stand while life rushes past Between the first breath and the last And here we stand between east and west And here we stand between birth and death I was watching the news just the other night There was a war on the left there was a war on the right And it's no surprise that it's us or them It's a long way from heaven to Bethlehem Hey, off in the distance there rang a bell And off in the distance there rang a bell And it rang for the saints and the sinners as well Way off in the distance there rang a bell Way off in the distance there rang a bell Before I give the tribute um, I wrote for my grandmother, we've talked about living saints and folks that have gone on before and I'd just like to say a thank you to all the saints within this church who have been praying for my sister that's gone through radiation and chemo treatments for lymphoma and just say that she's gotten a good report last from the doctor and I just wanted to take a, a time, I'm sorry, because I don't have a chance to thank everybody individually, so I'd just like to say thank you right now. Okay. I honor my maternal 
maternal grandmother, Blanche M. Kimes, affectionately called Mumum, on this All Saints Day. She was a stay-at-home mother, which was typical of the day, and by some standards, left this earth unnoticed except by those who loved her. In watching how she lived her life, I learned as much from what she didn't do as what she did. When she outlived five of her six children and her husband, she didn't turn away from God and cry out, why me, Lord? Instead, she turned to God and her faith to find comfort and peace while working through her grief. When failing health forced her out of her home and into ours, she didn't sit in her room and mourn her loss of independence. Instead, she rose above her circumstance and with grace set an example of how to face the inevitabilities of life. She taught me how to win or lose, whether it be in a card game or the game of life. I watched as she lovingly handed out Christmas envelopes containing new $5 bills to grandchildren and great-grandchildren whose only visits for the year would be to get their money. I stood by watching in anger and saw that she showed no bitterness towards their selfishness, but met each outstretched hand with a loving smile and forgiving heart. Mumum would shudder to think I was honoring her as a saint. She took a little whiskey when she had a headache, and she told me that sometimes there's nothing wrong with a good, clean dam. <laughs> Behaviors unbecoming a saint, she would surely think. But I honor her life of faith, her love of God, and her ability to love without expecting love in return. Gerard and Jane and Jan for sharing this morning. It takes a lot to share from the heart, and this is a beautiful place that I think this place evokes uh, the beauty and the safety of knowing that you can share here from the heart, and you will be welcomed, and you will find others who've been along this journey with you as well. I've got a story about my grandpa. In my basement on the wood paneling that I've been planning to replace for a decade now, just above the Yamaha organ with a rotating speaker is a wooden shelf. I don't know what wood it's made of, probably pine. Its honey-colored polyurethane knots have followed me from my baby blue childhood room to college apartments and rental houses on old logging roads and now to my basement. My grandfather built it for me with the express purpose of displaying karate belts. So watch out. So along the bottom you'll find a row of pegs. Since the karate belts it's held all kinds of things from hats and coffee mugs to mic cables and headphones. I'm sure Papa would appreciate the assortment of items that have found their way to the shelf because he wasn't an easy man to summarize himself. In the mornings, he'd tool around in a paisley robe and brown slippers with mashed down heels, drinking black coffee and eating burnt toast. My grandmother adhered to the scrape-to-your-liking school of toasting. <laughs> By early afternoon, he'd be in his old jeans and a wide undershirt, planting beans in the garden or tinkering in the old workshop. Outside the workshop, to be more specific. The rusty old building was so full of two-stroke motor parts and fuses, bits of molding and stretches of poplar, that there was no way anyone could get inside. 
There, down where you could just begin to hear the creek scrambling along the property line, or hear the sounds of inmates playing baseball in the state pen just up the hill, he'd set up his table saw and build shelves like mine, or wooden cactuses, or road runners, or quilt racks. Sometimes he'd coax old lawnmowers back from the brink with a measure of natural mechanical aptitude and profanity. It usually worked, too, even though there were always parts left over. In the evenings, slipper-footed once again, he'd sit in the tiny family room with a baseball game on, a paper plate in his lap with one of those wicker plate holders around it filled with Vienna sausages and saltines. In between bites, he'd puff on his pipe, filling the room with an ocean of sweet smoke. If the phone rang and Mamaw wasn't there to get it, he'd catch her eye and say, come in. And then he'd chuckle to prove that he wasn't that senile and go answer the phone with a howdy. At night, Mamaw would cuss at him in the kitchen while she tried to give him his insulin shot. If it was Saturday and we were going to town or out to dinner, Papaw would slick back his silver hair till it shined just like his cowboy boots a bolo tie with the turquoise inlay dangling from his neck. The family lore about Papaw was as divergent as his wardrobe, from stories about running through the house raving mad from blood sugar dives to working on cars in the driveway after long days at the chemical plant. Papaw seemed to live two or maybe three lives. From time to time, the neighbors would call to tell Mamaw that something was going on because Papaw was on the riding lawnmower, wandering aimlessly around the yard. Mamaw would chase after him with a popsicle, trying to get him to stop and eat. <laughs> then there was the time that he went running through the house and Mamaw had to pin him down and force orange juice down him until he came to his senses. In Mamaw and Papaw's wedding photo, the only one that I ever saw, he was wearing his service uniform, his hair darker but still shining. That uniform carried him away and, according to Mamaw, brought him back changed. Not long after that photo, he was hiking up the Danube River, rank and file with many young men who would never make the journey home. He only spoke to me about it once when I was doing a report for school. He showed me the bayonets he brought back and told me about the friends who were beside him and the next minute were gone. I remember his hands the most. They were thick, like decades of splinters and burrs and triggers and dirt had calloused them, built up an exoskeleton to protect the tenderness within. From time to time, that tenderness came out like when he'd see me in the morning and say, hey, Bubby, and he'd hug me with those huge hands. Or when I asked him if he was saved, and he said, no, honey, not angrily, just matter-of-factly, like he was letting me down easy. The whole family was worried about him, not just for his blood sugar, but his soul. Mamaw was at the church whenever the doors were open. My uncle was a Southern Baptist preacher, my dad a compulsive evangelist, I remember my uncle and dad sitting in Mamaw's living room with a serious discussion about the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. <laughs> in case you're wondering. Didn't work out. Dad has repeatedly taken his car to a mechanic whose mufflers fell off before you could make it home just to witness to the guy. I say that to let you know that Papaw had heard about getting saved. Plenty. 
And when I, a youngster, overcome with guilt about the state of my grandfather's eternal soul, asked this man with the powerful hands about his relationship with God, he was so very gentle with me. I still wonder what he was thinking. If that moment was etched somewhere in the recesses of his mind, a Saturday afternoon, the sun dancing in pipe smoke, and me struggling to lift that weighty question up into the haze. When he got cancer, probably a decade after that, he did finally make a profession of faith. He got baptized at an old country church with avocado pew upholstery. I watched him go down and come back up, his hair still slicked back and shining. I remember people saying he's lucky he had time to get his life right. And I wondered, what was so wrong with his life? He wasn't perfect, not close. But was his life somehow worth less because of what he believed or didn't believe or couldn't believe? Or did he find that this world had toughened his hands and maybe his heart too? And whose fault was that? His own? His absent parents? His government? Hitler? Duty? Long days and hard work? The erratic levels of sucrose in his blood? I like to think that outside with sandpaper and sawhorses, Papa found a softness under the rough surface. There he saw the beauty that lived inside of an old piece of rough-hewn wood. He knew how to seek it out because he was familiar with coarse exteriors. He found a space for gentle words. There, hidden under his calluses and sunspots, was a softness that said, No, honey, so gently, or, Hey, bubby, with such joy. There was a connection with the Creator's eye that could see the possibilities. I like to think that the miracle in Papa's life was not in that prayer or those waters. The miracle was inside all along. The miracle shone all down that long road, sometimes bright and shining, sometimes shuffling and worn, sometimes raving mad, sometimes reclining in the den with saltines, but always there, hidden deep within. I'm going to sing a song next, so I'm going to move over here. How's that for a segue? I know this sounds cliche, but according to the internet, as best as I can tell, um, in my limited research, we are in fact made of stardust. The elements that make up our bodies were forged in stars over billions of years, and atoms in your fingernails may have been in a few different supernova before ending up where we are right now. So in our very ordinary humanness, we also contain this universal transcendence and we're invited into this great wide and beloved community that goes far beyond any borders that we know and so while we celebrate those who've gone before us and we mourn their loss and we also take a cue from this good light that they have shared with us that we too in our ordinariness 
might share in God's bright love that brings hope and justice and peace to the world around us. Darkness is falling, extinguishing day. Everything changing in the shadows deep haze. I look to the heavens and there I find ancient companions who've traveled the sky. beginning before there was time the darkness unraveled the billowing light the stars they awakened and opened their eyes fusing their atoms dazzling sight above and stars beside thank you lord for this good light now grace our orbits with an arc that draws our path around your heart and when they have finished cosmic flight they scatter their ashes into the night and we are the remnants of this cosmic reverie children of starlight heirs of mystery Thank you, Lord, for this good light. Grace our orbits with an arc that draws our path around your standing in this starry tide a great cloud of witness above and beside saints gone before me and saints I call friends guide every footstep and steady my hand stars above and stars beside thank you lord for this good light 
trace our orbits with an arc that draws our path around your heart. Draws our path around your heart. This morning you have heard songs and stories of ties that bind us together. And perhaps it is accurate and helpful for each of us before the mercy of God to say that we first and foremost are sinners, but human language is so inadequate. For we have been struggling with another word this morning on this All Saints Day. And while we recognize our own frailties before God, it might be helpful for you on this All Saints Day 2019 to remember for someone out there, you are their saint. That they see in you the presence of the Holy One and they recognize by your life something to which they aspire. That is a part of the calling that brings out our best. And so as we sing the ties that bind, let us remember those that have given us life and hope, who have been our saints, but also let us live up to this incredible and almost unimaginable title that other people might see in us. Let us stand and respond and sing the tie that binds hymn 306.
I have been doubly blessed this morning by attending the early service. In addition to the stories that you have already heard, I listened to Jody Cabell's tribute to Becky Colliver and to Juliet Wallace's wonderful poem. And I am so appreciative to you, Jane and Gerard and Jan, for sharing your stories. Um, these all came out, and I think most of them came out of the writers group. And that's an open group that you perhaps would like to be a part of. You don't have to be a great writer. It just helps put texture to a lot of the experiences of your life. And that is a fantastic group. Uh, but also, I want to give a word of thanks to Aaron Austin uh, for his design of the service and for a wonderful way of thinking about All Saints Day that he has led us in. And before you leave, let me just quickly say, um, as I said, I went to the movies last night, and the movie was supposed to start at 4.30. Yes, I'm old. That's called an evening movie for me. Um, but that was inaccurate about what time the movie started. Um, and if you're going to find fake news in the newspaper, it's more likely in the advertisement section. For really, the movie doesn't begin until about 5 till 5. And the folks over at the Showcase Cinemas believe that you have 25 minutes of your life that you can spend getting ready to see the movie that was to start 25 minutes previous. And in that 25 minutes, I saw three commercials for shows that I could watch at home on television. They repeated one commercial twice, encouraging me to drink cranberry-flavored Sprite during Thanksgiving. <laughs> and all of that's to say that there is an assumption that you have plenty of time and that you can just give your time away willy-nilly. I can think of no better thing that we can do with our time than what we did this morning in remembering these stories and sharing them with one another and to have been together in the household of faith and love and beloved community like we have experienced today. And I don't want you rushing out that door thinking you've got to get back over to another world's agenda that just wants to gobble away the pieces of your time and pick away at it like vultures. Your time is precious. And let us use it well before God. Amen, amen. I didn't get to preach today, so that was the sermon. <laughs> In the life of our church, there are other ways for you to use your time productively and well. The women on missions meet this week. You'll see information about that. Also, Nancy Kirk is having major surgery on Tuesday. She is a former member who moved away to Pennsylvania. We remember her and want to offer our prayers to God for her health and recovery through that surgery on Tuesday. You'll see other activities listed. Uh, if you want to stick around, uh, I'm gathering with a few folks to talk about the vision of progressive Christianity. There's some sandwiches that are there. It'll take us about an hour or so to both eat and have our presentation. And you're welcome to do that in the meeting room, which is to the left as you exit, just past the bathrooms. If you want to stick around, there's room for you. We hope that you might stay for that time as well. Let us bow for the benediction. O oh God, who is and has been and evermore shall be, 
How commanding, how challenging, how strangely comforting are your words of gospel truth that will find their final consolation when all the saints are gathered in. Then we will know without question all that confounds us now, all that was true and right, good and loving, honorable and worthy of an eternal celebration. Until this certainty dawns, when we will see all things clearly face to face, grant us abiding faith and sufficient grace to live with wisdom, forgiveness, courage, and compassion. For all our days are numbered, and we only have this day to do what is best needed. Help us use this precious gift well. In the name of the pure and good Father and patient Mother, and the incarnate one, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord and eternal friend, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, who promises to always walk with us, to empower us and encourage us until that day we find our place, finally home. Amen. Amen.